Hello everyone, welcome to the Kharak with Mehreen show. I'm so excited about today's guest. She is a multi-talented human being. She does literally everything you can think of. She's an entrepreneur, she's a scientist, she's a podcaster, a YouTuber, a strategist, a consultant. She's also an advocate for women empowerment. It is such an honor to have her here today. Let me please welcome Dr. Sheen Garib. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Do you know that this is actually the first podcast I'm featuring in in Dubai? Really? Yes. Well, this is such an honor then. I had no idea. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I've been waiting for the right one. Uh, <laughs> that means a lot. I've been watching a lot of your videos as well and it's just so cool everything that you're doing in this in women empowerment space in STEM and all of that. So it's on it's really an honor for you to be here. No, thank you. Happy to be here. Perfect. Um so to begin I just wanted to talk about life and culture and happiness and mm-hmm. um and your perception on all of these different things. Um the first thing I just want to ask is um how has life been for you so far? Like I know you're doing so much. It was it was a struggle to even schedule this because you have a packed schedule. So how has life been? So you're starting easy, I see. Like question, <laughs> how has life been? Um that's a very tough question to answer, I think, because life has been really hectic for me, especially I changed countries 2 years ago and then I also stopped being a student. I've been a student for a very long time and then I started my corporate job and I did not like that so then I switched and then became also a content creator at the same time then became an entrepreneur so a lot of changes and changes means that you are uncomfortable yes. so i think the best way to describe life at the moment is uncomfortable wow. <laughs> and it 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 doesn't necessarily mean bad so this is one thing that i feel like i've been unlearning over time which is that it is okay to be uncomfortable and because it just means that you're stretching your boundaries and, and you're growing exactly yeah so i think it has been a lot of internal emotional battle of accepting that this is not a bad thing it's yes. not negative to be uncomfortable yeah. so yeah it's just been you know a lot of changes adaptation but also a lot of exciting new experiences yeah that's so awesome to hear and i think people can try to run away from discomfort but as you said like staying in your comfort zone is is too comfortable you're it not going to be able to grow <laughs> and rise so the fact that you're able to adapt to the discomfort um that's really cool and beautiful to to see and hear and i actually want to dive deeper into that go for it um how do you navigate through the discomfort because it's not easy to adapt to all these different environments you stayed in the uk for 10 years you mentioned and then you moved here completely it's completely different so how do you navigate through that Well, so this is how everybody around me describes how I deal with change, okay. which is that I will whine and cry about it until I've done it. And this is exactly how I deal with any problem, any challenges. I will panic first. <laughs> okay? And I think it's really normal and we should normalize that. Oh my god. It is so normal true. to panic, so right? So true. And even when I had to move country and it, you know I've only been to Dubai on a 24 hours layover 4 years ago before I decided to move here. Well, wow, yeah. <laughs> that's a huge step. <laughs> exactly. So then it was scary. Yeah. And so then it's normal to panic and then when and I hate admin, I'm terrible at it and you have a lot of admin to take care of. So I would whine about it the whole time oh. until it was done. <laughs> so I think I've just accepted that 
I will not like this process and I will find it scary. I just need to get it done yeah. as well. Yeah. So then it's okay. You know, you try to balance being a little bit scared <laughs> and then you do it. And I think it's also knowing that you need to reflect, right? Yeah. So if I look in the past and I see that I have survived everything that's happened to me so far, right? Yeah. I think all of us are the same. Yeah. So if you've managed to do everything else, it might have been tough and it might have been a huge learning experience. It might have gone wrong, but you learned something from it. For sure. So it's just a question of knowing that you can do it. It might just be a little bit hard. For sure. Yeah, I think that's really nice to hear because um, every time I go personally go through something new, something challenging, my first instinct is to just cry. There like, you go. <laughs> you know, like it's just natural. It's normal. Yeah. And it's like hard because when you do that, people always think, oh, that's too sensitive. Like Ooh. you shouldn't be crying. Like you shouldn't be strong we and learn how to. That. <laughs> yeah. Like I grew up hearing that all my life. Like, and I've been known, I'm, I'm a cancer. So like, I've been known to be like the sensitive type. Yeah. I'm a <laughs> so, Gemini. So I uh, flip between the two. <laughs> two yeah. So growing up i always heard whenever i would cry about situations that like you should not cry that like it doesn't mm. help but i feel like going through that grief period is important because processing those emotions helps you exactly. adapt to your situation so that's really like refreshing to hear um <laughs> no it's normal though i just wanted to like catch on to that because i feel like people who are criers or just emotional thinkers right yeah. it's normal and if you try to suppress that then you're not dealing with the, your emotions, as you said, and therefore that comes out later at some point exactly. in a worse way. Yeah. So it's better to deal with it earlier on. And it's really interesting that you mentioned this whole thing that, you know, being emotional is regarded in a really negative, negative. way. So I've, I was filming this reel yesterday, which, um, so I do, I don't know if you've noticed, I do these little reels about stories about women, right? Yeah. And um, there is, uh, gosh, I forgot her name now. Um, you know, the ex-prime minister of New Zealand. Oh, yes, Jacinda Jacinda Arden, Arden. Yeah. yes. So, so she did her um, leaving speech, right? Uh -huh. And this is about her leaving speech where she talked about, I'm a crier, I'm a hugger. Oh, wow. And when I joined, I was... I, kept being told that this is bad, this is negative, you look weak, you're not a strong leader. And she was like, I even appointed people to help me toughen up. And she was like, now I can tell you that I'm leaving, still the same, still a prior, still a hugger. <laughs> and she was like, every time I have question time in the parliament, I will not eat for weeks because I'm so stressed I'm out. Stressed, yeah. And she was like, I just want to, me, I don't know if I've shown what good leadership is, but I just want to show that being an empathetic leader is possible. And it doesn't mean that because you have your emotions on your sleeve, that you can't be sensitive you can't care about people and be a good leader at the same time so wow. there you go well I got goosebumps like that's so beautiful to hear because yeah. like sensitivity is always as you said taken as such a negative emotion exactly to have. but it's natural it is yeah and and actually being an empathetic leader showcases your like emotional intelligence and these are such important traits to have exactly. that people don't really realize so mm. that's good to hear yeah <laughs> um so in the beginning, I kind of described you and your roles and all the amazing things that you've been doing. But I wanted to ask you personally, who do you think you are? Like, who are you, Dr. Sheengard? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> These questions are not easy. Um, honestly, so currently I've been thinking about that question a lot because... 
I'm at this crossroad in life now where I want to decide because I've done so many different things. They don't really fit into an umbrella. Yeah. So I'm trying to decide, well, who am I really? And I think I've done this exercise with a friend of mine. And I think we've realized that what I really care about is the whole women empowerment right yeah. and it comes at all ages whether they are girls in schools or at university early careers or people in leadership roles but also professional development of these women and at the same time just trying to change how society view women yeah, right and sure. how can we make sure that the next generation has it a little bit easier than we do at the moment but also one other big thing that I think I care about because as you said you know I trained as a scientist so I have a PhD in spinal research, but then I moved to business after that and did consulting and then I do content creation, but I also now do tech, right? So I'm a tech startup. Yeah. So I think when I was in school, I don't know about you, but the idea was very clear. You know, it's a straight line. You go from school to a job and you stay in that job forever. Yeah. And that's it. That's your career. Yeah. And I feel like now, whenever you speak to people, nobody has a straight line. Everyone is trying something, Zigzag it doesn't work. And, yeah. Oh, I don't know what to do, blah, blah, blah. Everybody's quitting their job. And my dad always makes this joke because he worked at the same place for 33 years and then he resigned, right? Uh, he retired. <laughs> I, I'm so used to the word resign. And so he I, never quit? No. So he, no, right? wow. he loved <laughs> That's it. That's commitment. <laughs> and I have been in the workforce for two years and I've resigned three times. <laughs> so, so then it's, it's so it's that that I want to make also into a statement that people should become more comfortable with knowing that your first job is not going to be your forever job for sure. yeah. and your 20s is for figuring out what is for you thank you <laughs> right <laughs> You need to, because I thought I was going to be a scientist. I wasn't. I thought I was going to be a consultant. That was not true. And I'm still figuring it out. I still yeah. do not have the answer. So that's why when you ask me who am I, I still can't tell you, but I feel like I am, I would like to think that I am this, you know, beautiful mix of all of these things that makes me who I am based on the experiences I've had and the education I've had and the different career paths I've had. So that kind of like adds to my toolkit in a very different way For than sure. what I expected it to be. Makes you unique. Exactly. And everybody is the same. Everyone has such unique experiences. You meet such different people in your life and you know, you experience life differently. Yeah. And I think it, we should appreciate that rather than everybody trying to apply for the same graduate role and going into the same job and, you know, trying to do the same day to day as everybody else, because we are all trained differently. Yeah. And in today's time where everybody's talking about the future of work and how it will change and how, I don't know if you've seen the statistics, but they say that around 70% of jobs that will exist in 10 years time are jobs that do not exist currently. Currently. That's crazy. That's <laughs> right? insane. Yeah. So if we can't adapt to that and we keep following the same, same path, routine, yeah. it's not going to go there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's so true because mm. like everyone has their own unique journey to yeah. take. And um, like even for me personally, growing up, I saw my dad who's a businessman. So mm. I was like, oh, I love entrepreneurship. I love business. Yeah. That's what I want to do. And until today, that's still within me. 
but business is so broad like what in yeah. business right yeah. so that's something that i i really don't know like i tried out so many different things like in covid i mentioned i was mm-hmm. trying out like an organization and then i tried out like this content creation phase uh, of learning and then i came to karak with mehreen mm-hmm. so like i'm really trying out all these different things and I still don't know if it's the right path that I'm taking and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's so nice to hear from someone who's accomplished so much to hear that it's okay to like take your time and like try out different things cuz how else would you figure out your passion? Exactly. And because there are so many jobs out there that you don't even know exist, right? So even for me, I grew up on an island and I didn't even know that, you know, things like you could be a podcaster, you could do content creation. In my time, like I'm a proper millennial, so in my time <laughs> we didn't even know about these things that yeah. they could become proper careers. Yeah. And things keep changing. So that's why you just need to evolve and just discover who you are. Do not put that pressure on yourself that you need to figure it out now. But do you feel like you felt any kind of pressure yes. growing up? Yeah. <laughs> 100%. So how did you manage that? So, not very well. Uh, so growing up, you know, I was a bit of a a star kid, right? So it, then I became to stress myself out. My parents did not care. Yeah. Uh, but oh, I, really? They didn't yeah. care? No, because wow. they knew I was doing oh, well in school. Oh, you're doing well. You'll, you'll be yeah. fine. So they yeah. don't care how you're doing. But for me, I cared about every single mark. And <laughs> then I started stressing myself out. Um, I started getting all kind of like, you know, illness every time before exams because I was so stressed. <laughs> so stressed. Um, but then I think after I finished school, obviously then I went to Oxford so you would think that she will calm down now she knows that she made it no she didn't um still stressed out and you know then eventually i think that's why i mean your 20s is for figuring out who you are because when i was at university then i realized that okay there's so much more to my personality than just my grades right and there's so much more to me than just my intelligence so that's how then it started being a bit less of a pressure and but then comes the time to apply for a job now the pressure comes again <laughs> then i was It competing to get into a phd and then after the phd getting a job again but i think with age because i don't know how okay let me pick, paint a picture for you okay. so you know when you are expecting the worst case scenario and you're worried that it's going to happen yeah. and then it happens yeah oh it happens okay yes. yeah that's the and then worst. when it happens you're like okay i'm in the middle of this now but it's not that bad <laughs> you know and it, because for me for example um after my undergrad i was meant to stay in oxford for my phd okay. but then like a week before i was meant to start my funding fell through oh so i couldn't go mm-hmm. that year so mm-hmm. i had to wait one additional year and that's like the worst case scenario for me you know i've always had planning. my life planned out yeah. right yeah. imagine all of my stuff is there and i i was meant to fly on saturday and i couldn't go oh my god yeah so it was a big big letdown sure, but then yeah. that year turned out to be a very good year for me because i stayed at home after four years of being away and you know i got my driving license wow <laughs> yeah congrats exactly <laughs> and then um I also got my PhD in Cambridge then. Oh, so then, oh yeah, so then it changed. Yeah, so yeah. then I didn't go back to Oxford. I went to Cambridge, which meant that I became the first girl from Mauritius to have gone to Oxford and Cambridge. Wow. So this would not have happened if that issue did not happen. happen. Wow. So then you start to look back at, you know, everything issues happens and for things a like that that it happens for a reason yeah. and you will find a way out and that way you need to believe it will be better than what you had planned. Wow. So then 
it's not easy to put that into practice. I For still sure. don't, you yeah. know, like I keep reminding I myself that it's okay. It means something better is coming, <laughs> but it's like, but you, in the back of your head, you're like, why? we're human at the end of the day and you have dreams and plans and you get carried away by emotions. But it, I think what helps me is this, put everything into perspective and know that if it didn't work out, it wasn't meant to be. And now something else will have okay. to come through. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, it's been hard for me to process, mm. for me to digest that because f I had kind of a similar experience in terms of, oh, I used to do good in school. Like I was an A-star student and things like that. Um, and then I had like my whole university life plan that I would go to the UK for my undergrad and then for my postgrad, I go to the US. Like yeah. it was all planned. Yeah. And my parents knew like since I was like 10 years old or something, you know, and, and then COVID hit. So I didn't go to the UK Ooh. and my parents were really scared. They're like, oh my God, what if something happens? Mm. And which is like, which makes sense. Mm. But at that time I was like, this is something that I've been planning for years and it didn't happen. And it was like, like, I couldn't understand why. I was just like, this is so unfair, Yeah, you know? Um, and then I started looking at other universities here in the UAE, and I found Minerva, which is in, in the U.S., mm -hmm. and this, they were introducing that program in Dubai the year I was applying to them. Amazing. So I got the opportunity to go to Dubai, which was still away from home, but not too far away. So I got, like, the best mm. of both worlds, and then... Uh, this there were like a bunch of students from different countries who came in for the program so I got to meet some really cool people yeah um and in the end it it worked out you know like um I remember during that phase in the first year of college I was so sad I was like why am I in Dubai you know like why <laughs> yeah. am I here like I was supposed to be traveling yeah, yeah exactly and but through that I got a lot of different opportunities mm. like in, in through my college I got opportunities to go to different countries uh, because of internships yeah. and so on, so, and which may, I may have not received if I were in the UK. No. So everything just works out, and it's hard to digest that it's at that moment, as you said. Mm. But it's sort of as life goes through, you realize it once you yeah. stop. Yeah, honestly, perspective is the best tool that you can learn. Yeah. And as you grow older, you'll see that looking back you will see that, okay, it was fine. Yeah. You know? Like, I wouldn't be doing this. Exactly. If, if you I would not gone. be here launching your podcast. <laughs> so I wouldn't be meeting you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we would not have met. So yeah. all of this, there is a reason for everything. And I think even if there isn't, right, it's the best way to think about it. Because otherwise you're just going to be <laughs> you know, mourning things pessimist. that didn't happen. Exactly. And that doesn't change anything. For so sure. you might as well have a positive outlook on for what's sure. coming. Yeah, and it's just incredible to see what everything that you've done. Like you, were, you went to Oxford and Cambridge as the first Mauritian. Like yeah. that's that's amazing. So congratulations, Thank first you. of all, for that. Um, and secondly, you mentioned a lot about how you figured out that women empowerment is something that mm -hmm. you are particularly fond of, that you want to strive towards. Um, how did you now? How did you find that? Like, where did that love for women empowerment come from? Oh, good question. So I think because, you know, growing up, so I, my mom used to work as well. So mm -hmm. I always used to watch her go to work, which was very different to other people's mom. Right. And she was very empowered doing what she likes to do. And she would always make sure that my sister, I have an older sister and I were always, you know, being given the same opportunities as everyone else. And we were never told that because you're a girl, you can't do this. And my dad was also a huge advocate of that. So, yeah. 
and everyone makes the jokes that we are actually our dad's sons, right? Because the way he treated us and he it's sent like us a- to the UK to study and wow. everything on our own. So that's why it's been like, it started early days. So for me, it was never an issue of, oh, I'm a girl, so I might not be able to do that. Well, I won't be treated the same. So then when mm. I saw that other people were, we're facing that, I was a bit surprised. Yeah. And and then also my aunt was the first female president of Mauritius. Wow, that's yeah. insane. <laughs> yeah, so then... I did not know that, yeah. So that's, that was very recent. It was like four years ago. Oh, wow. And that's so cool. Yeah, so then for us, it was a bit like, but there's a bit of an imbalance, right? Yeah. Clearly some women are being supported, but some are not. Yeah. And then when, when I got that statistic that I was the first girl to have gone, I was like, that's really silly because I'm not by far the most intelligent or anything. It's clearly just a question of opportunity. Yeah. And then when I got to uni, I realized that they were doing a lot of work for outreach because there was a huge imbalance in terms of um, gender, who was coming in and even... At undergrad, you might have a lot of girls who would do the classics, you know, like English, history, but science. not in tech, yeah. No. And I was fully in STEM. And in STEM, like, my class was quite small. So there was like 29 of us. Mm -hmm. And it was maybe like three, four girls, you know, and that's it. And in physics, there would be like 200 people with like five girls. And, wow, and it, it's so imbalance. obvious to yeah. you, right? And then when you see it, you're like, but why? Because yeah. I know that in school, all the girls were really we're good smart. at science. Yeah. So why are they not here? So And the university started noticing and they were actively trying to change that. So then my first experience was getting involved with the outreach. And then we will bring in school kids, especially like only girls schools, bring them in, show wow. them that us girls were in the lab and answer the questions. From, from different parts of the world? Different parts of yeah. England. 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 Okay. And it was really interesting because all the questions were always the same. Oh, what is it like being a girl in the lab? You know, Um, uh, or like, you know, how did you know that you could do this? And it was always the same questions, which means that society is forcing everyone to think the same way. And after that, I realized that, okay, there is a big issue. And then I also set up this um, educational charity that was helping refugees coming into university and then again there they are refugees so they have all of these issues but the girls have more issues than the boys because again there's like societal pressures cultural pressures discrimination yeah all of that happens and the parents are worried for them and they get married young and all of these things come into play so then i realized that firstly there is a big education gender gap yeah but also other than that every girl's issues is very different to each other but the way we are trying to solve this problem is by bracketing them all together together. so it's not working it's not one size fits all yeah so that's when i did my first tedx talk on that which was on how we should separate all of the different problems that girls are having and then try to address them individually um but then yeah. I left school, I left university and I felt a little bit less connected to that world. And I felt like I would not really understand now what the challenges were. But now I started seeing new forms of challenges in the workplace. And which was really interesting to me in the corporate world was when we started as early graduates, it was a 50-50 gender split. So same number of girls, same wow. number of boys. But then when you go to the top at the partner level, there's like 12 male partners, one female partner. Wow. So what happened <laughs> up there? <laughs> Why are they not climbing yeah. up, right? And then I started talking to a lot of people and you slowly start to understand that there's firstly a gender pay gap. 
So that's one issue. Now, when women have children, they have different kind of issues where they don't get paid leave. They don't have childcare, And also they are penalized for having children. You don't, you're not promoted. And a lot of these things come into play. But also the higher level executive level tends to be a boys club because they're only men. So then as a woman, it's intimidating as well now to you to get there because, you know, the higher you go in the workplace, it's not a question of now competence, right? It's also a question of who likes you. Who likes you, yeah. So then that's how, you know, all of these things came up and being someone who had all of these lived experiences, it just became something that I was like, look, listen, we need to tackle this. And I just decided, you know, that this was the thing that I truly cared about. And it just came naturally. It yeah. just, yeah, it's something that genuinely bothered me and something that I wanted to do something about. Wow, that's so yeah. inspiring. And it's <laughs> crazy to think like how much of a gap there is. Like, um, I also experienced it firsthand in my in my f- friends and family. Yeah. Um, so I witnessed how how society plays a role in what a woman should wear, a woman mm. should do, where they should go. Policing everything, right? Exactly. About women. Exactly. Yeah. Even the fact that I moved to Dubai was quite a big deal. Yeah, it was it was a big deal for other family members. Mm. My father and mother actually similar to yours there they were very open about it but other family members found it kind of strange and mm. it's it had never happened in my family before that a woman like a girl is living alone on her own, on her own. Yeah, yeah it's crazy so um seeing that it's so normal for me but mm. it's not for others yeah. it's crazy it is and then when you dig deeper you see that it's in every part of the world and in many different areas of life, like as you mentioned, when you went to college and mm-hmm. when you were in, in in your job and careers mm-hmm. and, and all of this. So that's insane. Yeah. Um, is there a specific experience that you went through where you faced discrimination or any kind of um, you felt different because you were a girl? Um, because you did, you, you were in like male dominated industries, male dominate, you studied in a male dominated mm-hmm. uh, program. So did you face personally uh, discrimination in your journey? Oh, so honestly, I feel like I have been lucky enough that I didn't face anything too bad. And if anything, I faced um, worse things because of racism than because of sexism, right? Yeah. Which is interesting. It's another whole another world. Yeah. But um, in terms of sexism, I think the one thing that I did experience started off as a positive thing. So, you know, like <laughs> there was like a group presentation that needed to be done and the okay. whole team was male except me. Except you. Okay. And it was a team of nine people. Okay. Okay. And, and it's just you, the girl. Okay. I'm the only girl. Uh, and I'm the most junior person in the team. Okay. okay. So I have no contribution whatsoever, but they were like, you need to be on the call. And I was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, you need to turn your camera on and be on the call. And I pushed and finally I was told that this is because we need to show that there are women in the team. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'll, I'll just, I'll tick the box for DEI, sure. Uh-huh. So I rocked up and then during the call because then the client started asking me stuff uh-huh. right and then and i realized that the client was female which okay. is why they wanted someone oh, female okay makes sense so then the client started interacting with me directly because and good thing is i was aware of what was happening so i could interact with her yeah and then after the call <laughs> one of the person from the team came up to me being like oh i was impressed that you could handle yourself 
uh, in that call because you were you were not you know I didn't expect you to speak and uh, you were just meant to be there to turn your camera on and I was like <laughs> so that was one of the team members you yeah. said that oh. <laughs> and I was like mm. how do you respond to something like that I laughed <laughs> I honestly laughed I was like firstly you think this secondly you have the audacity to say it to me right Crazy, yeah and I was like I understand that I'm the most junior person on the team but there is a reason I am on the team right exactly so obviously you can't be shocked <laughs> that i can handle myself that, that uh, you can be the one contributing right. and be the one exactly so as a so then player. you can see that for that person it's a question of you know they didn't think of me as an equal and that's when you know that's the problem and they think of you sometimes it is good to have quotas it is good to push for equality and inclusion but then when people are doing it just to tick a box, being like, there is a woman on the team, there she Doesn't is, but they sense. don't expect you to contribute. It's the then. intention and the perception of society. Exactly. Women. Yeah. 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 That's so that was one of my singular experiment experience with that. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's nice to reflect on that and realize that, you know, you, you pull through that situation and yeah. you came out like contributing probably even more than yeah. the others because <laughs> the, the, the client was talking directly exactly. to you clearly. So that's that's pretty cool um so you mentioned that besides women empowerment and uh, sexist um remarks that you may have experienced um you mentioned racism and mm -hmm. that's something that you went through in the uk perhaps mm -hmm. how how was that like i think personally i've been lucky enough to not experience that firsthand okay so i so want to know more no racism no sexism um, so, so sexism, yes, okay. like obviously because um, not directly from my parents, mm -hmm. but from other family members. Right. So, for example, when I go back to Pakistan, sometimes mm -hmm. I love Pakistan, but it's like I love the caveat. I love Pakistan. <laughs> <laughs> just a disclaimer: I love Pakistan. I love visiting my family there, but. You know, there are just these jokes about women that mm. like is so normalized, it's but it's so annoying to hear. Yeah. Like when there's dirty dishes on the table and they're like, oh, girls, you know, uh, stand up and do your work. And oh, they're like, wow. oh, clean up. It's time to clean up. And mm. like uh, it's it's it just gets so irritating. It does. And that's why I asked you, like, how did you respond to that? Because you said you laughed, mm -hmm. but I'm not good at responding to these kind Ooh, of situations. So how do you I get respond? mad. Like, <laughs> I get so, and it's clearly visible yeah. that I'm annoyed and that either I stick silent completely mm. or I respond and get mad or like be like you can't say that or, yeah. or things like that and it ends up being unproductive mm. because um no matter how mad I get the other person just doesn't They're understand not listening. Yeah, yeah exactly it's just it's something that's so normalized that you know they don't listen you know mm -mm. It, it can't change their opinion just by yelling at them exactly <laughs> so that's something i've been struggling with um well my advice on that yeah. is choose your battles okay uh -huh. so as you said some people are so it's so ingrained in them that yeah. you especially you know when his family is a little bit different as well right like in the corporate world you can say whatever you want to these people yeah. family because you know culturally you do need to have a level of respect and stuff yeah for people. exactly and they might not give any attention to what you're saying right so don't don't make yourself more upset yeah. by trying to explain it to them <laughs> but it's only if someone is open to listening to what you say then you try to say something mm -hmm. but you know you can always try and say 
it in a less angry way of being just like you know i don't think this is right yeah yeah, yeah. my parents have always said you know like try to make it in a, a joke. joke yeah yes. and it's so hard try like how do funny. i joke about it like- <laughs> well you actually reminded me of another experience i had so um in one of my jobs we had an office in design district uh-huh. so you've been to design yes, district yes. i'm guessing yes. yes so we were setting up the office uh-huh. and then um the do people came i'm gonna name and shame do and <laughs> you know they, they come to set up your wi-fi yeah, yeah and then the guy who came he he was just setting it up and he was like i need to speak to the sir and i was like the sir i was like i am the so, sir yeah. <laughs> and i was like so i didn't start with that i initially said oh yes i, I can me. sign it yeah. he was like no i need the boss and i was like that That's is me, me. <laughs> and then he was like Mm-mm, i want the sir and i was like, i i lost it at this point i was like i am the sir <laughs> i don't know what you want me to say <laughs> and i heard myself and i started laughing i was like i literally just yelled at this poor man saying that i am the, the sir, sir. <laughs> and i was like that makes no I'm just sense picturing that. right yeah and then there was someone else there who was like a videographer but because he's a man he went to him and he was like can you see who is so the even sir? after you got mad yeah, yeah, it yeah. didn't work he was like can you who needs to sign this and then he was like she's the boss she will sign it give it to her and then he was like okay fine <laughs> so he needed a man to yeah. to explain it to him oh my yeah, god so, yeah. but again i know that this is somebody who i can't change his opinion about this right yeah so that was a battle i should not have even embarked on yeah but you, sometimes it's you just, just lose it. instinct you know yeah. yeah yeah that's what i i've uh that's what i've kind of struggled with mm. um even what in topics of marriage so oh there marriage we go. is a hot topic in brown families right yeah exactly and like um my brother got married two years ago then my older sister got married a year ago Mm -hmm. and i'm I'm the next one so like everyone's been talking about it and i'm just 20 years old like let me live yes i'm 20 so (laughs) it 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 gets so pressuring at times because i know like my parents they wouldn't want me to get married if i'm not ready like we've talked about it and they wouldn't want uh, me to get married now or Mm. anytime soon but it's just that when people talk about it all the time it's like oh i think it's gonna happen like it's probably gonna happen in a year you know it just in the back of your head so that's what i've also kind of struggled with navigating and communicating because every time this conversation comes up i get mad like I cannot like <laughs> control my emotions when it comes to these kinds of things. I know. Because it's like they never used to do that to like my like the male counterparts like my no, it's the girls the, usually. The male relatives mm. and the cousins and of course they talk about it in a jokey way with them but when they're like 24. Mm. You know like I'm 20 like that's a huge difference. So well, I don't know if this will reassure you or not, but I get the same thing and I am 30. So, you know, I... So you lived through, like, 10 years. But you can imagine what it's like for me at this age when you're still not married, right? Everybody's freaking out around me, (laughs) (laughs) except my parents. Oh, really? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. my parents are chill. So the thing is, in my family, people do tend to get married later on oh later yeah yeah, later on and people usually get married between like 29 and 32 so that's the age normal yeah Yeah. and i think it makes sense right because in your 20s you're You're figuring figuring everything out out. exactly if you're lucky enough to meet somebody and you want to marry them fine go ahead (laughs) but that's not the time when you will actively be looking 
for somebody to get exactly. married. You don't yeah. have the time. And oh my God, I can't explain. I feel the same way. And imagine for me, it's been a while now. So oh. <laughs> every time you'll hear the, oh my God. And you know what annoys me? Imagine for me, some people will be like, you see, you should not have done a PhD. Now oh, your pool oh is so God. small. That's, <laughs> that's the reasoning. Oh yeah, yeah. your pool that's is so shocking. small now. How are you going to find a good husband? They're, they won't be as qualified as you. So it's going to be so hard. Yeah, yeah. It's always, so these ridiculous thing. And whenever people ask me, I'm like, why do you care, first yeah. of all? <laughs> like, how is this your business? Like, How is it affecting you? Yeah. <laughs> how is it affecting your day-to-day <laughs> that I am not married? Yeah. Secondly, people assume that because you're not married yet, it's because you are refusing to get married, which is not the case. I just haven't found the right person yet. Yeah. So let's just wait. Yeah. And then people start putting that pressure on you, being like, your standards are too high. Oh, my God. You just need to marry anyone you find. <laughs> Like the first person you see on the street, he's the guy. Just grab him. Yeah, just grab him. And it's a lot of like, I don't understand why also I should share these very personal thoughts with you. Yeah. About how I'm feeling about this situation. And I think some people are so like, so switched off that they don't realize that it might be a very sore point for somebody. Imagine if someone just went through heartbreak and now they're not married because they just lost the love of their life. Yeah. And you are just bringing that up without realizing that, okay, this person might not be ready to hear this. It might really be affecting them yeah, emotionally. Emotion, yeah. People don't think that. And then once you're married, all of my friends who are recently married, everyone's like, what are you having a kid? Oh my God. This is what my brother is going through right now. My brother's wife, we talk about it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, And it's so personal. Like that's such it's a so private personal. matter. Imagine. Yeah. And, and now so many people are struggling with infertility as yes, well. Exactly. Again, there's no empathy. There's no like, this is a boundary that you're crossing and yeah. getting into someone's personal business. I don't know. I think it's such a like a brown culture thing as well, where they're just constantly pushing for girls being like oh your clock is ticking (laughs) how do you know i have a clock (laughs) you don't even know that but it's just like why why put the pressure and i understand where you because this is this conversation happens which is so sad from 20 right so you are facing that pressure we are facing that pressure later on you know in your late 20s so it doesn't go away. And it's crazy that they think that you should get married at the age of 20. It, isn't that crazy? Like, And I think we're not making it easier for you because they're like, see, otherwise you're going to become this. <laughs> <laughs> get married now. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but it, it's an interesting topic because I also think that a lot of people currently, um, which is sad, I think, and I, I don't necessarily agree with this, but a lot of women who are now in their 30s, a bit further ahead in their 30s, are saying that they regret not finding a partner in their 20s. And now they're telling younger girls to find to a partner find a pa- and get married. And I was like, look, I think that you should be open to it at all ages once you feel like you're ready. ready yeah. And I think different people are ready at different times. Different exactly. people meet their partners at different times. And I, I, I like how we just ignore the fact that now 50% of couples are going through divorce uh, within 10 years of being married. That's insane. It's a huge number. That's huge. <laughs> Why? It's, it's a gamble. <laughs> right? It's literally like 50% chance. 50-50. Yeah. You take the bet. <laughs> but it's also like, okay, but why are we not taking that into account why is this happening probably because a lot of people are getting married under pressure they're not ready they are not finding the right partner just because society is telling them you need to get married 
and then things don't work out. And when you get married really young as well, you do grow into different people sometimes and you're not growing in the same direction. Exactly. And later on, you might regret that you didn't get to do the things for yourself. Exactly. And then you resent your partner sometimes because they have stopped you from developing yourself in ways that you couldn't do as part of a couple. It's counterproductive. It it is counterproductive, which is why I think nobody should get involved in it. But anybody's business, people will get married when they want to get married. Yes, (laughs) everyone just mind your own business. That's the moral of the story. (laughs) Oh my God. But like, I think the best reply I've seen to this was actually from a guest on my podcast. where she said that um, because she is in her 30s, uh, like late 30s, and she's not married. So people are very threatened by her around their husbands. (laughs) Really? Yeah, so she's really attractive. And people will go up to her being like, can you not speak to my husband, please? (laughs) Isn't that a problem? Because you can't trust your husband enough. Literally, who's the problem here? Yeah, like how is it her fault to be so beautiful? And then she, she she said that one time this, she usually doesn't engage, but this one girl was like, can you stay away from my husband, please? And she was like, honey, I don't want him. I'm not sure why you want him. This is the best comeback I've ever heard. Oh my God. (laughs) It's just like, yeah, sometimes they deserve it. It's mean, but sometimes they deserve it. She wants to start a fight. (laughs) But I think to go back to your question, which was how to deal with it when you get asked this question, it's just, you know, try to like just shrug it off. Mm -hmm. Don't let it get to you because at the end of the day, the opinions of these people don't matter to you, right? They they are not the people who you care about, (laughs) whether they, they, they think great things about you or not yeah so it doesn't matter just shrug it off being like yeah yeah i'm looking (laughs) (laughs) is that how you respond (laughs) yeah yeah now i'm like no now i say when are you finding me someone? Oh, wow. I was you put like, it on them. I was like, what are you doing? And then they're like, but you never told me. And I was like, well, there we go. Now I told you. Go. They get so defensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not on them, the Reverse of course. psychology. Yeah. So just be like, oh, yeah, I'm looking. If you know somebody, let me know. <laughs> because nice. they're not going to do the homework. Nice. Trust me, they won't. So yeah. Just, yeah, I'll note it down. I'll yeah. note these comments down <laughs> for next time. That's what I'm like gradually trying to learn. Like I yeah. even had a conversation with my sisters about it. Um, with actually my sister-in-law, so mm. my husband's sister, and I was telling her like your brother's sister, my <laughs> yes, my brother's <laughs> my brother's sister, yes, your um, brother's wife. <laughs> <laughs> I need the karak. I you think. Do. <laughs> oh, it's a little cold now. It's, it's still good. It's really it's good, good karak. Yeah, perfect. Mm. You should say that you made it. Okay, I made it, guys. Yeah. yeah. Next time, I'll yeah, I'll use that. Yeah. Um, I just hope people don't actually ask me to make it when they come Have over. Have you tried making it? I'm, I've made chai, like normal chai. So what's different? Like they add like cardamom and they uh. add and like there's a, like an amount of milk they put and like there's so many little details. And they that, boil it for longer, I think. Exactly. Right? Okay. The, the, t- the duration. Like yeah. I, I really, I can't bother, you no. know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have a question actually. Yeah. Why didn't you call it chai with mehreen? Because I felt like Karak is, I wanted Local. this to be UAE based, mm. so Karak is so UAE. It is. Yeah. So it, it just, as soon as you hear it, you know it's here. It's yeah. So that's why, and and everyone that heard it was just like, Karak. Yeah, that's that. I tried, <laughs> there were different names. My father suggested Mojito with Mehreen, <laughs> and then there was Mocha with Mehreen. I love it. <laughs> and so then, you wanted it to be like a drink with Mehreen. Yeah, like okay. I felt like it was. 
it was just uh, because we can talk about anything you know mm. i didn't want to put a label to it so yeah a drink with mehreen and then Amazing. karak with mehreen could have just been milk with mehreen <laughs> yeah true um, m <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean uh, david wouldn't have had milk like people who are lactose oh i could bring almond milk exactly you could milk. be inclusive true yeah karak yeah. is not inclusive true <laughs> next time okay i'll think it through <laughs> i'll try to find lactose free karak do they do i don't know like after david told me he's lactose intolerant i was like i need to try to find like lactose free yeah i don't milk. think i've heard of I've it i've never heard of this i think i would have to make it myself yeah like with almond milk or but the problem with this uh, lactose free milk is you can't boil it for long it turns bad. Oh yeah, doesn't it turn like dark? Yeah, like, and it also splits sometimes. Oh, I, I tried it once just for myself cuz there was a phase where I thought I was lactose intolerant. <laughs> yeah, I thought I, I was. <laughs> I thought I was. I just wanted to be cool, guys. <laughs> like it was a trend, you know. So, um I tried like almond milk yeah. with ch- like as chai mm. and it just all turned black. Yeah, so the temperature matters, right? Yeah, it can go I bad. Yeah, I didn't do my research, mm. yeah. <laughs> So yeah. I have to I have to think that through. Uh back to the question yes. I was asked. Where were we? <laughs> um I was talking about my family. Your sister-in-law. Yes. yes. My husband, my brother's <laughs> wife. Yes. yes. So we were talking about it and I was telling her that like whenever anyone talks about marriage like and she she's seen me like get all like annoyed mm. and stuff so I was like how what do i do you know mm-hmm. like how do i respond and she was also telling me the same thing that you need to like just try to stay calm like you know like freak ignore those opinions because like in terms of the people who actually matter are your parents and like if they're not pressuring you like they're they're okay with you getting married later exactly then it's okay so like it's slowly like i'm mm. learning this you know what i mean so that was good advice yeah, yeah. definitely i think you know just try to shrug it off and yeah. i know it's hard but just be like you should not care about these people's opinions sure yeah yeah and other than women empowerment um i'm really interested to know about your life as as sort of an expat mm-hmm. i would say because you're from mauritius you moved to the uk came mm-hmm. here so your identity has kind of evolved because of all these different cultures you know that you were in so how do you think all these different cultures influenced your views on on life and on on just different matters Ooh. like how how has these cultures impacted you that's a really good question i think so growing up in mauritius definitely taught me tolerance because we come from a very diverse um culturally diverse country mm-hmm. so you have black people brown people white people asian people is a very big mix and everyone speaks the same language which is creole it's a dialect of french creole okay yeah. so that's what so everybody So you also know french? Yes, french is my first language. Okay, yes. okay. Wow. So this is what's interesting as well because I grew up in that country I learned creole which is our mother tongue and then french which is our first language english and I also had to learn an oriental language in school so I learned urdu. Urdu. Yeah, yeah. I saw on your linkedin yeah. the, that you know urdu so yeah. I was like oh how did you know yeah, urdu? Yeah, so wow. then I learned I learned urdu for 9 years. Wow, so you're like fluent. I'm fluent. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then obviously after that I started watching bollywood movies so I I think so I understand perfect. hindi as well, uh-huh, right? Yeah, but yeah. obviously I can't read or write. Yeah, hindi. yeah, I also can't read or write. But hindi. you probably understand, understand as well. Yeah. 
And then uh, because also next door to our class, they used to teach Mandarin. So I have caught a bit of Mandarin as well. Yeah. Because, you know, when you're young, you absorb so much, you don't even realize it. And then you're just like, oh, gosh, okay. And then because um, so I'm Muslim. So then growing up, we were also going to Madrasa to learn the Quran and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, So then I learned Arabic as well. So then you're fluent in Arabic. No, <laughs> don't. I was like, I should I read. test you? No, but I also I'm not fluent. I can read and write Arabic. Okay, same. Right? It's the same for me. Right? Yeah. And my vocabulary is very limited, and also because we learned Forsa, right? Which is the exactly old that's what Arabic. I learned for twelve years of my exactly. life. So, and people are like, how do you not speak it? But it's like, <laughs> but it's also I not learned, conversational. It, it's so different. Like people's like I so use different. words, and they're like, why are you so formal? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone's like, wait, man. <laughs> so yes. Yeah, so I think that was a great part of, I think, which at that time I did not appreciate that I can speak so many languages. And then I feel like, honestly, that's the biggest thing I got from the country, which was all the languages that I speak. And it's so easy to get along with people, to connect with people when you can speak in yeah, their language sure. to them. Yeah. So that honestly loved it. And the tolerance, getting used to people, being able to communicate with anybody and get along with people. That's amazing. Awesome, yeah. yeah. And then also it's an island life right and people are just it's like being part of a one huge family everyone knows your business oh really Uh, oh god yeah (laughs) i mean it's not that small it's like 1.5 million people so it's quite small yeah it is yeah and you do know most people around the island yeah makes sense yeah so that was very different so when i moved to the uk now it was a huge difference right firstly the weather and then now suddenly i had to speak english all the time which was very different that was not common in no 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 conversation is very interesting yesterday somebody mentioned this which was like in mauritius everything written is in english so if you would when we were being taught in school everything written would be in english all the subjects were learned in english are all in everything is in english but the teacher will speak in french So it's a bit like That's why how I learned Arabic actually. <laughs> right? yeah. It's like you're not helping us practice our spoken English. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, thankfully English was not too bad for me when I went to uni. And being in the UK, it was a whole different learning. So firstly I was in Oxford, which is a little bit of a bubble. Um, the city exists around the university. So okay. you know, so it's like pretty much just a student the, city. Okay, makes sense. And I think the the biggest thing I learned in the UK was politeness. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because people are so polite. Uh, even even when they're telling you off, even when they're angry with you, they do it in such a polite way. You're wow. not even sure that it happened. But is that all over UK? No, obviously yeah, now, no. Yeah. But it is their culture of politeness. It's, it's a lot of passive aggressivity. You oh. know? <laughs> so you won't even know because they're so polite that they won't even yell sometimes. So they'll just tell it to you in so a very like passive aggressive way. So it's like all within themselves. Yeah, yeah, so it's just, it's a little bit of like how to be great. Oh, you know? <laughs> it's like posh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that's definitely a good thing that I learned. But um, I think there I then became exposed to different cultures, you know, people who came from different countries and uh, people who literally countries I had never heard of. And now that, again, it just increases your view of the world. And that was the first time I realized 
that I am so small compared to the rest of the world. Yeah. Because when you're stuck in your little island, you don't know much. Yeah. (laughs) But then once you're there, you're like, wow, there's so much out there. And because then when I went to uni, I also traveled a lot for internships, conferences. And then I started seeing a lot more of the world and how much more is going on, how different people are doing different things. Different different people live differently, right? So I still remember when I went to Japan the first time, I was amazed. I was like, this is a different world, right? It doesn't even feel like it is the same Japan world that we live in yeah. right to to, yeah it's completely different yeah. and then you go to europe it's completely different you go to asia yeah. it's different it's just, so that definitely taught me that we are so minute yeah. in the world that we, we need to be humble we think the world revolves around yeah. us yeah <laughs> so you need to be humble and i think that definitely taught me how to be humble wow. yeah. and even you know i think as a as an 18 year old who got into Oxford and then I went there I did think very highly of myself and you should that's awesome but then when you go there you are humbled very quickly right (laughs) because uh, even when I the first day I went to Cambridge I went to a dinner and Stephen Hawking was at the dinner right because he taught at Cambridge so he was on the high table and he was just there and I could just walk up to him and I asked for a picture and he he was very fine with it and then I was like okay like he is so accomplished I am nothing and then that's when you start to realize that okay there's so much more More. that I can do there's so much more I can accomplish so then it does expand your horizons and expand you know how you see life how you approach things and that definitely was a huge impact on there and then obviously after that I moved to Dubai again complete clash of culture yes Yes. And I think I'm so intrigued to know how it was here. Honestly, there were so many different things about Dubai. The first thing that I noticed was just the fact that there is no majority Mm -hmm. of ethnicity Uh here, right? Yeah. Because in the UK, it was majority white people, Mm -hmm. and you would feel like you're not person who's white yeah but here because everyone is just different yeah <laughs> there's so no you, majority you just somehow fit in fit in yeah exactly it's like everyone is different but at the same time everyone is the, the same. same yeah <laughs> so it, it was such an interesting way of like switching how you view society wow. and suddenly and i think it's the it's probably the city where you can fit in the quickest as an expat interesting because you come in here everyone is is here on a short term most people are here short term they come in and out and everyone is looking to make friends everyone is networking everyone is hustling so hard when you get here especially when you come as an expat who is in the corporate life and i thought oh wow okay this is where (laughs) things are happening great let's go and honestly after i left the corporate world one thing that i thoroughly appreciated about dubai was how everyone is so focused on doing something for themselves and i think that's because dubai attracts people who are like this you have all of these budding entrepreneurs all of these content creators all of these businesses and everyone is just doing things in such random ways and just here to build 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 yeah and i think it's crazy because i worked in the design district for a while and here you have all the artists all the creative people And you're just like, wow, even in London, I never really saw this kind of things happening. And here every week you'll have something happening. Something is on exhibition. Yeah, there's always something happening. People dress like, you know, so randomly. And I was so conscious every time I was there because they are so edgy. And uh, so 
to be able to see this, right, you have Alter Cal, which is very edgy. You have Design so, District edgy. But then you also have Downtown, which is very nice and yeah. touristy. And then you also have Business Bay, where it's very... And DIFC, where it's corporate. All business, yeah. So it's the fact that you can have all of this. Different and all these different ecosystems exist next to each other. And they are thriving at the same time. And the fact that the country keeps changing, you know, the visa rules, the licenses and stuff to welcome and welcome and welcome more people to come build the generational wealth here and i thought okay great so i now here what they taught me was the hustle culture wow <laughs> yeah but what do you think of in terms of friends because you said uh, networking is great here but yeah. what about like friendships so again i think i don't know if my experience is the norm but before coming to Dubai, I had a lot of school friends who lived here. Okay. I had university friends who lived here. Mm -hmm. I have family who lived here. So and you knew people here. I knew people before coming that I knew for a very long time. Makes and also sense. when I started my job, we started as twelve people who came from the UK. Uh-huh. So then I already easy to bond. So we were them. all trying to, you know, sort out our life at the same time. Yeah. So you had that network. Yeah. So I think in that sense it was easier. To make mm -hmm. friends but mm -hmm. obviously since i've moved i've made a lot more friends in the region mm -hmm. i think people here are very willing to meet you for sure they respond to messages they're very open-minded exactly. here and very tolerant of different cultures yeah for sure. and people are very i was surprised when i was reaching out to people for the podcast and stuff i would reach out to people who have no clue who I am or that I exist and the fact that they would respond and then come on the podcast and then we would then meet socially and it's just like oh wow okay <laughs> I guess this is the place to do it then yeah because... I was surprised when you responded to my email <laughs> as well it's the same feeling well, I was like I'm from Dubai now so yeah I uh. reply <laughs> You're a Dubai girl now. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> yeah. definitely in that sense. But I, I know that some people do struggle. So I don't want to generalize that it is definitely easy to make friends. Mm -hmm. I know some people find it a little bit hard at the start. And I think that's normal. Yeah. But because of the vibe of the city, I think it is relatively easy if you make the effort you put, to meet if people. If you try, yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure, yeah. And I think... I also felt like I was living in a bubble because I was born and raised in the UAE and UAE is, is tiny compared is. to the world. Like, <laughs> And I never realized how small it is until I started traveling. And mm. this was just like last year, like 19 years of my life. I was in this bubble and yeah. I just felt like and I was in such a around such a diverse community. So it, I, it did feel like I was around lots of cultures, but I'm still in a bubble. Mm -hmm. And then when I started traveling and realizing like, it's not common to go from one city to the other in just an hour in other countries. <laughs> yes, no. I was like, wow, the other countries are huge. Yeah. And and for me personally, I started feeling like I can understand other cultures more when I started meeting people from other cultures, mm. more than if I like read a book about a different culture or watched a video. Of course, that would give me some context. Mm. But the most I've learned about, like, for example, one friend that I made is Brazilian, two Brazilian friends when they came to my university. And I had never learned I mean, I'd learned about Brazil, but I didn't know like Brazil, like, mm -hmm. you know, um, so I learned that through the people, actually. And then I have a Chilean friend. So all of this was through people. So I felt like people are really what um, helped me become more open minded when I met people from different countries and so on. So. I think it was a similar experience from you that pe meeting people from in the UK mm -hmm. uh, kind of expanded your horizons and, and things along those lines. So people really can affect your views. I oh, think definitely. your environment 
for I sure. I think, and you know, I don't know if you've heard this, but like you are the average of the five, five people, people you spend own. most time with, yeah. right? And I think that's why the, the the network and the people who are around you really impact your quality of life, not just who you are. Yeah. Because, you know, if you have really toxic environment around you it's not going to help you yeah it will drag you down emotionally mentally so that's why you need to have the right people around you i'm not going to say good people because i don't necessarily think there are bad people i think there are bad situations but you do need to have the right people around you whenever you're trying to do anything in life and that's why you're correct that people are important and even moving to dubai what has helped me was finding my tribe at the end of the day yeah yeah and uh, as you said that people not don't just affect you in the way you think but the way you live life yes. like it, it they affect so many areas of your life that you don't realize mm. and i think people play like relationships play a huge role in happiness oh, and so happiness is such a tricky topic because um there are some preconceived notions on what makes you happy or mm. doesn't make you happy so what do you think about yourself like do you think you are happy oh god <laughs> <laughs> so this is an interesting topic as you said it's such a difficult word right happiness exactly and i think if we keep i used to be that way where i was waiting to achieve certain milestones in order to, to qualify to be happy. happy and at first i thought that would be money you know financial milestones and then after that it was maybe fame or maybe you know being stable uh, but none of that like when i was in my corporate job i was making a lot of money but i was not happy so it wasn't money yeah yeah so then at the end of the day i think over time after I looked at all the things around me I realized that for me the freedom of my time is what makes me happy. Interesting. So being able to wake up in the morning and not have an alarm or have a very slow start to my day makes, makes me happy. happy. And that doesn't happen if you have a job. So you mean having control of your time? Yes, but it's more it's yes, control of my time freedom. in the sense that I can decide, you know, what happens. What you want to do. But even that I feel like it's more freedom, right? Because control still means that you you are accountable somewhere mm -hmm. but more having freedom of your time that where you can decide what you're doing you with do that time yeah. right and if today i don't want to do anything i cannot do anything yeah and this is the state that i am now working towards wow. you know that's where what what i believe will bring me happiness but at the same time i listened to this um talk the other day where they were talking about okay if i give you a million dollars tomorrow but you would have to die the day after would you take it you wouldn't yeah um, you would just right? one day a million dollars no. like it doesn't make sense yeah, yeah so that's therefore not being a millionaire is not something that makes you happy yeah and then it was like okay i'll give you a million dollars but you will be ill for the rest of your life you won't take it no. because health matters to you so that that's why and every, every all of the situations that he outlined meant that your health is your number one wow. priority if wow. your health is not there you're not happy yeah. you will think even me if I'm, i have freedom of time but i'm sick what's the what's point the of point? that yeah you need your health and and i think we all do not prioritize our health when it comes to anything whether it is healthy eating or going to the gym you will find excuses and for you it's fine if you don't do that but you won't show up to work late you won't miss a yeah. day of work why mm. That's Because not the priority. The priority is your health. Yeah. So I think since like reading a lot about these things and also just discovering things about myself, I've realized that money, you need money to be comfortable. 
mm-hmm. you don't need excessive amount of money because after a certain amount of money doesn't bring you anything. For sure. Right? So if you don't have to worry about your bills, you're living a comfortable life, you're fine. You just need to meet your basic needs exactly. and requirements. So once that's there, you're happy. So what makes the difference is your peace of mind. And, you know, a peace of mind comes from the people around you. If you have the wrong people around you, you don't have peace of mind. Yeah. And if you're doing something that you do not like as a job or as a career, you're not, you don't have peace of mind. So then you're not happy. So I think for me, the combination of happiness comes from having a good health, having the right people around me and have doing something that I am passionate about. And that makes me want to get up every day to work. But I think that's different for different people. For sure. And that is fine. And I think it's just a question of, for everybody to identify. do that assessment and identify what thing would you not want to lose tomorrow and therefore that is what makes you happy and yeah, and i think nice we, we overlook the little things that make us happy and even if you look five years back the things that you have today were things that you were yearning for five years ago but now you don't appreciate it yeah. you're just thinking what's next <laughs> yeah it's, we always want more like yeah. and we don't even stop to just think and reflect no. and be like this is what i've wanted for so long yeah and I let got me enjoy it. it yeah exactly <laughs> like i think there was a time when i was trying to self-reflect and see oh what are the things that made me happy uh, it was at the end of 2022 mm-hmm. and so there were like so little things that made me happy like when I purchased purchased like things for my apartment table Mm -hmm. like that those were the things that made me happy because I felt like I had I was controlling this space you're creating your environment right it's a big deal yeah and but for at that moment when you're buying it you're like oh it'll look cute let me buy it (laughs) but later on when I reflected I'm like oh that those purchases made me really happy so it's really a lot of introspection and Mm. self-reflection that enables enables that um other than happiness uh, you mentioned that money is does not equate happiness Mm -hmm. Uh, but what do you think about success what what do you think is success for you so again i think success just like happiness has different meanings to different people Uh and there is a lot of unlearning that we need to do because we've been taught for so long that success means having a house having a car having a good job having a family exactly and but now success looks so different for different people and i think again it comes to the point of you realizing what is success to you Okay, and again, I could have said that for me, I was successful when I got into my dream corporate job, but that that didn't mean anything. Yeah, in the end, yeah. And I left that, so that was not success. I think again, it comes back for me to the same thing of success for me would be when I have complete freedom of my time, and that and that obviously has a lot of you know you know caveats to it right mm-hmm. freedom of your time comes from you having the money for that having autonomy there's a lot of, of pre- your work pre- yeah requisites. so there's, there's yeah. a lot of things that will mean that you get to there but uh-huh. for someone who has freedom of their time success is for me that is success so being able to do what I like when I like to do it and being still comfortable and living the life that I that want, want to live. yeah and also I think So this is something that comes from, you know, speaking to older people. One thing they will tell you is that when you get old, you're not going to remember how busy you were or like, you know, I loved working till 11 p.m. every day. (laughs) Right. They will be like, what what success is at that point is how people remember you. Yes. 
and how people remember you is what impact did you have on them them. whether you were true to your word you know and whether they could rely on you especially people who are near you in your life and I think for me all of this needs to be considered it's not just about the materialistic aspect of what success means it's also how you will be remembered what's your legacy and that's something that I have been thinking about a lot because I do care about what legacy I leave behind and I do want it to be something where I have contributed even if it's changing one person's life but I do want to contribute to that and I do not want to let people down so that's the that's for me success will be if I manage to do that consistently so what kind of legacy do you want to leave <laughs> behind what, what, so, what have you thought of? honestly I will I really hope that it will be where we have managed to change certain things when it comes to how women are treated in the workplace. And I can see those changes happening around the world where, you know, now women are happier. They are going for leadership roles. Women are empowered. There's no more BS chat about imposter syndrome because I I honestly don't think it's a thing. And, you know, just like no woman is doubting herself whether I should be in this room or not. And everyone is just, you know, very happy and excited. And it's just this whole community of women who are empowered and empowering the people behind them. Wow, that's beautiful. (laughs) But in terms of imposter syndrome, don't you think that um, there are scenarios when women um, don't value their worth because of maybe what they see in society, because of what, how they've grown up? So... No. So what I mean by that, let me explain, is that, yes, women do feel Uh that way. But I feel like imposter syndrome itself is not a syndrome. It's a scheme that women have been fed. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So I I learned this because uh, there's this woman called Reshma Sajani. Uh I don't know if you've heard of her. No. So she is really cool. Um, She founded uh, Girls Who Code. So she's teaching. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So she's teaching millions of girls around the world how to code in, in very like remote areas. But she did a speech at a graduation university at Smith and she talked about bicycle face. Have you heard of Bicycle Face? No. Oh, okay. Enlighten this, me. <laughs> it, it's so, such a cool story. So apparently when, you know, earlier, back, very, very earlier on, the first bicycle was not actually, a, it was a big wheel and then a small wheel. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then when the first normal bicycle came, came out, out, it was a huge deal. and But huge deal for women. Because in those days, women had to wait for carriages with horses to go anywhere because there were all of these huge dresses, dresses. right? <laughs> but now they, they could just hop on a bike and just cycle somewhere. So for them, it meant was freedom, it? right? Mobility. Wow. But for men, it was nothing special. And then a lot of women now started traveling to other places. Because of a bike. Because they had a bike. But this was not seen in a good way because now women were too free. And also in those times was when, you know, all the whole movement to get women the right to vote started. Uh So now they were going to all these meetups. Women had the bike to go to these meetups. So now men were like, "Eh, we need to put a stop to that somehow. But, you know, when women were cycling because of all of their dresses and the heat and stuff, their faces would get quite red. Okay. So then this doctor came out saying there is a new disease called bicycle face. And women are the only ones who are getting it. Their faces get red. Their ankles are getting bigger because they're pedaling (laughs) and their hair are getting pushed back. And it was a whole thing. Like he literally outlined the disease, which was. But it was a fake. 
Like, no, no, did he, they act like it's not a disease? Yeah, they're just cycling. It's just cycling. Yeah. yeah, they're just cycling. <laughs> and and then he so, but it was true. They did come out with it as a medical condition that bicycle face is affecting women. And then that stopped women from going. Now women were scared. It's yeah, like, a, oh, obviously. I don't want to have this disease. So yeah. people were stopping. And then that successfully put a stop to women going on bikes. But then many, many years later, the first woman who was accepted into the medical council in uh-huh. the history of the world, wow. she then published a paper saying bicycle face is not a thing. Not because real. if it was a thing, it would affect both men both. and women. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Right. And that was the first paper she published as the first registered doctor. And that was so interesting. And then Reshma talks about how bicycle face is from that time and our time is imposter syndrome. This is the scheme wow. where we are feeding women this idea that, you know, you don't belong in these places. You need to buy these lessons, these courses, this, read this book on how to fight your imposter syndrome, but it's not a thing. And she, she also talked, oh, she's so cool. I can talk about her for so long, but she talks about how she had um, slot to speak at a summit in between Warren Buffett and um, Jeff Bezos or something. And she was like, the whole time I was just sitting there thinking, oh, why did they only give me eight minutes? I wish they gave me 15 minutes because I have so much to To say. say. And everyone around her was saying, why are you not thinking that you are speaking between two of the most powerful men? She was like, because I've seen all of these powerful men and I can run circles around them. I'm much better than them. (laughs) All the girls who work for me are better than them. It's just because we've been fed this thing that these privileged men are better than us. And therefore we need to feel inferior. And that's why I don't think that imposter syndrome is a thing. If you are somewhere, it means you belong to be there, right? But this has been fed to us socially that, you know, wow. you, you you might not belong there. So buy this course, read this book, help yourself to be, combat imposter syndrome. But there you go. Wow. That's like, I'm speechless because like, <laughs> that's the first per- time I've heard this perspective. Yeah. on impo- Like I grew up kind of hearing about imposter yep. syndrome like, and it's... <laughs> And it's funny because the first time I started hearing about it, I was like, oh, maybe I have, like, I have See? this. Like, That's how they get you. <laughs> because I remember, like, whenever I would be surrounded, even go to the student council where maybe there'll be more boys than me. So then I would start feeling, oh, like, maybe I'm not supposed to. Mm. Or even when I would go to, like, computer class and usually there'll be more boys than girls. Mm-hmm. So then I would just start thinking, oh, maybe I have imposter syndrome. Like it, I literally started questioning whether I have it or not. Exactly. So wow, that's that's actually an interesting perspective. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's just it it becomes so ingrained into you that mm-hmm. you don't even realize that it's no. so normal. You don't question it. Yeah, you don't question Mm-mm. it. It just becomes a part of you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well. This was awesome. Um, I just want to end with one last question sure. of the, the day. Um, what do you think is the meaning of life? We've talked about happiness. We've talked about success. Um, and this is a question that, that's been in my mind for a while about like, what, is, what, are, what are we supposed to do in life? Like, what is life supposed to be? And that's actually what inspired this show. Mm-hmm. So I don't know the answer to it. So I wanted to hear your perspective on what you, you may not know as well, yeah. but just, <laughs> just from what you think. Yeah, I think, yeah, obviously we don't know the answer. Yeah. But the way I approach it now, this has not always been the case. But I think for me, the meaning of life is how many people can you touch and how many people's life can you improve? And we are kind of a 
how do you call it, like a, an enabler. That's what I would like to think of as like a vessel, an enabler, and you just go through life, you learn and acquire experiences, and then you try and share this with others. Other people have helped you. Now you help other people, and it's just a continuous wheel wow. of how it the keeps cycle. going. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's the first answer I got about impact. I think <laughs> most answer, even the way I've approached it, has a lot to do with, oh, it's about like uh, building relationships mm. and people and like the kind of um, the in kind of environment that you build in your life, but not really the impact that you want to create in mm. your life. So yeah, that's that's a really nice way to end thank you. today's conversation. Thank you so much for coming, and thank you everyone for watching. This was an amazing, amazing time. I honestly, I think this is one of the best uh, I've had. Even though <laughs> I've just had you. three, but like from like I really, really, genuinely, really enjoyed this conversation. So. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I had a great time and I wish you so much luck with Karak with Mehreen. And I think Thank you're doing you. an amazing job. So Thank best you. of luck with it. Would you like to cheers? Let's go. Karak. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>